Hi, I'm Neil and welcome to the Crosscast. In the last show, we previewed the big races from Val de Soleil and Barn Oldswick, or, or Barlick, as you wish. And we said they're going to be totally dependent on the weather. And for once, I think we were actually correct. Today, we're going to pull on our neck warmers and take a close look at the ice of the National Trophy and the snow of Val de Soleil and ask whether those conditions make for great racing or maybe they don't. Let's find out. We are joined in the studio today by CX talent, Ollie Akers, a young rider who has already got such an impressive Palmaris and is taking each step up all those categories. Well, pretty much taking them all in his stride so far. Um, Also seems to be able to ride up some of these strides as well. But we'll cover that in a bit. Um, And in today's last run, we're going to preview the cursed period, that bumper week of racing in the Christmas period with some of the most hotly anticipated and some of the most classic races of the season. As always, I'm joined by my co-host Matt Payne. And Matt, what about you? Are you going to make it to any of those cursed races or perhaps even deliberately, digitally? (laughs) Or maybe even both. (laughs) I am deliberately going to digitally make pretty much all the races, one way or another, watching and spectating. Uh, I actually have um, only eSports gigs until we go into January when it then goes really mad, uh, where I'm going to be actually on the mic for the UCI for the World Feed for every January onwards uh, CX World Cup and right through to the World Champs. But up till then, no, I'm having a digital period, which basically means that in between soaring logs, trying to fix holes in roof and flooded um, barns in France, I'm actually going to be watching uh, on our super new duper new fiber optic that we had installed the other day, which is like ridiculously quick. Think well over a thousand meg speed in a ruined barn in the middle of rural France. That's how fast it is. This is going to be archived on the internet, Matt. That's going to sound dreadful when someone comes back and finds (laughs) this. When when Ollie's defending his fifth world champs. um, (laughs) Well, I've been been on the road today, literally. I've just got out of the car. Um, And Matt, uh, you know, we're quite international, aren't we? So you're in France. We are. I'm in France. And then we're joined by uh, Ollie Anchors, of course. And Ollie... Uh, is uh, currently still pulling the the sand and the uh, dirt and the grit out of his ears, pretty much, I think. Because, uh, Ollie, I can see you, which means I get to see that you are in the camper van. Um, and I know earlier on that we could actually hear the rain drumming down on the roof of the camper because it is kind of wet. Now, that doesn't narrow it down between the UK being wet, uh, France being absolutely torrential, and you being wherever you are. But tell us where you are, Ollie. Um, I'm I'm in Moll at the moment, um, in Belgium, ready to race tomorrow. Um, but I'm covered in sand, um, and it's it's been like Torbay. It's been everywhere, um, and I'm I'm still pulling it pulling it off the bike at the moment. Moll Moll is famous for its sand, isn't it? You know, if if the conditions are the are the way they are, sometimes then it can be a. a, a no, a bit, it's, it's almost it's, it's, it's Baywatch, isn't it? It's running <laughs> along the beach. Um, maybe yeah. that, you won't get that reference, but um, <laughs> it's a, don't, a fact, don't Google it. <laughs> um, run, running, running along the sand. Um, I mean, how how is it this year? How much of it's rideable? 
Um, I think apart from the the first pass of the pits, everything is rideable. Uh, and obviously the the concrete steps and the wooden ones. I had a go at riding the wooden ones, but not not this year. They're a bit too too slippy and too treacherous. I don't I don't want to push my luck too much after Mole Bay. I never um, I've never raced at Mole, but I hear that one of the pits is so in one of the directions. It's got some so sketchy in the sand there's like a big drop off or something in the sand and then it's actually safer it's forget whether it's quicker or not it's just you, you you're probably going to make it through and i think there's been quite a few of the the top riders i think matthew van der Poel went well head over heels probably the polite way of putting it there <laughs> is there anything does that sound familiar it it does there's a drop off just before the pits um and it it's unavoid, unavoidable really but um yeah it at least you've got the pits straight after. So if you do deck it, you you, you can get a new bike straight away. A classic bike rider. Don't worry about me. It's a bike all right moment, definitely. But I mean, for people who who don't know Ollie, maybe as well as Neil and I, because we've had the privilege of watching him uh, improve as a bike rider from being that uh, youngster just uh, starting out really to, to where he's now. Um, how can we sum up Ollie, Neil? This is, I, I think probably I, I was thinking about doing this in about three words. Um, and the first word that came to mind was cheeky. The second one was um, talented. And the third one was grafter. And those were the three words that I thought of. I don't know about you, Neil. Ollie, in three words, I think I am going to go for um, for skilled. I'm not, I don't want to talk about too much. I can, I can see you on the camera, Ollie. So I say I can go for skilled. I'm going to go for inspiring. But then the third one, which is perhaps a new one, is somehow very well insulated how on earth did you race that race last weekend in a skin suit i I was just thinking you're about to say that actually um well obviously at dublin i was in in short sleeves as well um and a few people commented on it saying oh you're, you're so hard and so on and whatever um and it just i thought oh you know what i'll do it again because it wasn't too cold in practice um <laughs> and then i got to the race and i looked around me and i was like why is no one else in short sleeves uh, <laughs> um and i think it might have been one or two other people in short sleeves um but yeah it obviously worked less weight um and, <laughs> yeah, yeah less weight as everything iced over and froze <laughs> on everybody whereas on you your skin was still moving a little bit and therefore the ice fell off is that how it works or maybe That's it just couldn't it freeze on you because like you had skin visible i have to say <laughs> we were looking back at the pictures uh of the race and uh we just uh we'd, we'd finished working on the, the sunday on esports and the comment that was made was which muppet is there in a skin suit? There's always what? Oh, it's Ollie! Look! Oh, what a surprise! <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Everyone else, the, you know, bearing in mind that what we'd seen of that race was a picture of Neil literally steaming in the back of the van on social media or the messages sent us. It's just like, do you know what? It, it would be Ollie, but you know, you've grown up racing the UK cross scene. I mean, you've raced in all conditions. I mean, you've grown up racing up in, in Peel Park, which, let's face it, is just like a sub-state of the Baltic. 
You know, it, it really is. And then you add in, you know, anything, any of the, the trophies that have been up in in really bad weather, they, they always seem to be a long, cold weekend. If You know, I can think of, you know, the, the biting sea over on the end of Irving, um, on the coast there. But there's been plenty of cold ones of those. And I mean, even when it's been relatively warm, I can still remember there being grit being placed down in places like Shrewsbury for the Nationals, you know, and there's still <laughs> de- de-icing that. I'm pretty sure you were wearing the skin suit then. So I guess... We should trust your judgment now because you're no longer that sort of, you know, under 14, under 16. Who's, who's well, done, been there and done that kind of now? Kind of, because of course, now moving up through the categories, you, you know, we still say you're young, Ollie Akers, but you're not exactly the youngest anymore, are you? There's, there's a whole load of kids coming up behind. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think on the topic of being mature and, and whatever, um, I did actually get a bollocking from quite a few people. <laughs> um, but I, I think it was well-deserved um, because obviously I was I was speaking to people after the race and every one of them was saying I was mad just like you two. Um, and I, I was speaking to Chris Young, who I've obviously got a lot of time and respect for. Um, but I think me and him have a similar mentality. If you're racing in long sleeves doesn't feel like you're racing feels like you're doing a a club run or practice laps and as soon as you take your your arm warmers or leg warmers off on the start line it's like the blinkers go on and you're you're in the zone whereas if you've got long sleeves on still it i don't know it just it's the mentality i have to put my hand up here and and say i am on the Ollie Akers, Chris Young school as well. <laughs> it may not be PC, it may not be the right thing to say, but you know what? I have to agree. Kind of like always wear an undervest in case you come off so you you, you slide a bit. Second, wear a skin suit or wear short sleeves and shorts because the moment you put me in tights, long sleeves, arm warmers, like, it's not racing. It might be hard training, but it's not racing. And that just, yeah, well, yeah. what that meant for me was I was soft and I just raced in the summer then. I didn't bother racing in the winter. It was far <laughs> too cold. Or I went, raced indoors on the track where it was nice and warm. That was kind of like me getting getting smart. I must admit, I don't think my attitude would have translated well to the temperature that we had. I mean, the trophy this year has been a real mix, hasn't it? You two have been every single round. I know Neil's been there with the gritty stand uh, as well as racing. Uh, Ollie, you were there out and and racing as well i it was a relatively new venue for a lot of people wasn't it and you know it's not somewhere where we've been before it was a move of course across from where we've been the previous year but it was still Ian spencer and the the hope team putting it on yeah yeah it was another brilliant event actually by ian and and hope um but the ice it just every single corner it was awful treacherous i think every Every person in the race crashed at least once. I've not spoken to anyone who hasn't. Um, but I, th- I think it was just part of the racing over the weekend. It was who could crash the least and who could be the most consistent over the over the race. Yeah, and it's also, I'll be interested if, what, what your thoughts are on this side, but it's, it's not so much who crashes the least, but it's how do you handle it when you do yeah. crash. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I felt in my race, it, what you... It, I wasn't able to catch anyone, no, and no smart smart words here. But um, you know, it's kind of it wasn't a race where you 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 can chase people down because you were kind of at that limit. But you you want to be able to make sure that 
you know, when you have your slide, you lose as little time as possible. And you're always kind of, you're trying to minimize time losses. Well, because there was no, I, you know, there were very few places where you could make up a lot of time. Because if you went too hard, you, you, you're dicing, dicing with things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I, had, I had a few problems, actually. I think in the practice laps, I, I lowered my pressures a little bit. I, I tried to keep it down to obviously get grip, but I was lowering the pressures and I wasn't actually getting any more grip because it was just sheet ice. So I put them back up, hoping not to puncture. Um, and in, in the race, I had to change bikes. Obviously, I crashed once. Um, and a few times Seb got away from me, but I, I managed to claw him back slowly. Um, and then unfortunately he had a mechanical on the, on the last lap, but still hung, hung on to, to second. I thought it's really interesting the dynamic between you and Seb. I mean, you've both grown up racing each other and you've both uh, been in action against each other. But I, I think it's really interesting because you're both riding for the uh, Garden Shed Verge team, aren't you? So you, you, you are, you're both on the same team. You're both traveling to very similar races a lot of the time. And you're quite different physiques, aren't you? Because, I mean, Seb is just this tall, long, gangly thing. And you're a little bit more compact than him. Well, that's certainly the impression you get these days when we see you riding. And that's that's also translates a little bit in how you handle the bikes, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think Seb was doing really well on the corners at the weekend. I was quite surprised. Nervous, in fact, during the race. Um, but it it's strange how the people who seem to do well are at the opposite ends of the spectrum. You've either got these really short people like Tom and Ellie is a bit, and then you've got the the Wouts and the Vanderpols, and it's it's really strange to watch. Yeah, I mean Michael Van Toren, that's another you know super tall, super long, and like it. But you can say the same about the UK cross scene to, to some degree, and you know you've got the the, the shorter punchier riders and you've got those the sort of the total leaner riders you've got that you know that that whole range of physiques and that's one of the great things about cross i think is it depends on the course the terrain the skill level but what what does seem to be coming through is that the trophies now are really becoming a breeding ground and the local leagues for skilled riders because i mean probably put either of you two out in front of any technical course out there and you, you probably just have a whale of a time to be honest you probably spend more time enjoying it than you would do racing it yeah, yeah, and yeah. this weekend um, Caroline was feeling was wasn't feeling great, but we went there, saw this iced up course, totally frozen, and she was like, "I'm not going to race, but I am definitely going to do practice laps on this because it looks like <laughs> so much fun." And you compare that view, and it was this, it, and it depends on what, where what your background is, where you train, what you're used to, and but that view was completely the opposite to a lot of people who were just totally freaked out by it. You know, and, you know, very, very good riders. You know, people who were you know, wearing the jersey and got eighty percented in in one of the categories, and it's you just you wouldn't expect it under normal conditions, but it kind of it's a roll of the dice, and it shows up those people who have got. I, mean, I wasn't say bike handling skills, but I think it's bike handling confidence. You no, know, it's kind of confidence times skills equals fast on ice sort of equation. You know, um, and it's getting the bike set up right. You no, know, um, you know, there are some things that might be counterintuitive, 
on setup for when you're racing on ice. You know, low pressures are not so great on ice in my experience. So you actually want things to be higher rather than lower um, to stop the tire from, you know, from, from collapsing on you in the corners because you know, the ground isn't going to give. Uh, it's because it's just ice. I think it's almost like when you run on hard tarmac. It's, it's, it's almost heading to that degree of, and do you go um, really interesting watching a lot of the internationals who race when they go on to something like ice? You're actually seeing something, it might not be file treads, but it, it's definitely akin to, you know, very few people are going to run a really big knobbly because you'll know, you know, we've, we, we, I know all three of us drive mountain bikes fairly regularly and you got put a big knobbly tread on and then you try and turn on a, on, on a corner on tarmac in the rain. You know you're going to go for a slide. Whereas if you've got a set of intermediate or set of slides, you're going to grip because it, it's just like that. And that's the thing with ice. But where it becomes much more difficult is when you've got that mix of mud and ice and changing conditions. And, and from what I can see, I mean, there, there was such variation in the weather that at uh, Bun Oswick. I mean, you know, putting aside my prejudiced Yorkshire view that it always rains on the wrong side of the Pennines, <laughs> it just seemed to be a really, really changeable conditions out there. And I'm, I'm glad I'm not the commissaire team who were there because I think I, I personally I would have been weighing up. It's very high consequence if that goes wrong. The consequence level went upwards massively the moment you hit put ice onto a course. And that is a very difficult decision to make. When is cross, not cross? Yeah, I think there was there was one thing which did happen in that which they there was them course changes which were for the for the best, um, and there was some other course changes which happened uh, for the off the start. It was clearly the original plan wasn't going to work over the pointless bridge. Or did I say that out loud? Um, come on to that, maybe. Um, and then, um, but there was one section um, which was it was it was a total lottery camber, and they took it out after the very first race, the Vet Fifties race. I lost the place because of it. Um, Just the one. I, I think I could, you I, did well, well there. <laughs> well, it, 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 it could, I did do well there. It could have. There was a whole bunch. I was. Uh, they were out of sight behind. I worked really hard for that gap, and then there's a bank it was totally unrideable by anyone and it was the only way you could get around was grabbing the rope yeah and yeah, people who were there and racing in the vet 50s would know which one it is no one else would because it wasn't in your race it got taken out and yeah and that's the right thing to do to take that out it was it wasn't racing on there it was just rolling a dice and it was yeah, to whether you went you know, whether you could ride it or not uh, so whether you would slide down it or not whereas other parts yeah they it was it was in your control you know it was up to you how how fast you went around some of those corners um i think yeah i mean i i think the conditions on saturday morning uh, it, it was difficult for everyone all the time you know, it was frozen ground the whole weekend if you come down it's it's like coming down on on tarmac i think some of the conditions on saturday morning were they got i think it was the worst in the vet women's race when there was where when this when the sleet changed from being snowy into just frozen water no freezing water and there were a lot of the the women in that race were i mean it was hypothermic at the end and and i think all credit to um to you know some of the team there the commissaires and so on you know where it was it was a welfare thing there you know that's what they're there for you know, making sure people were getting dry um 
getting warm and, and there was there was a fire pit that was there as well and i think for those people who weren't so bad um that probably that probably did save quite a few people from getting getting too cold let's let's look at some of the um the results from that we in the elite women's race ella mclean howell oh man she just thrived in those conditions it was you know the hope team the home team ella mclean howell took that win um she just led from the start um she was pretty much out of sight from the second corner um I think uh, Millie Cousins slid off in when she was in second really early on, and there was a, and it broke it straight away. So um, and Ella was in her element. Um, Annie last finished second, and Millie Cousins was behind. And then in the elite men's, it was Corin Carrick Anderson, who he was the fifth different winner in the five races we've had this series, finishing ahead of Toby Barnes and Thomas Main. So I mean, it was it really was fascinating to say to see those who thrived and those who were really really struggling. And I, if you think there's so many points here on this the, the, on the weekend, and and I am looking from the outside in and and looking across the channel to see what happened and, and trying to pick up as much detail from not just social media feeds and race reports, but also from people like Larry Hitmark's images. I mean, Larry's got so many images. Larry was really thankful to be right on the middle of the site, but all of the photographers I've talked to who were there. They said, I mean, challenging conditions for them. And when it's challenging for them, when they can't get lenses defogged, when a kit is freezing, batteries are dying and everything, you know it's going to be tough. And I think you've it's really interesting. You think about Corin Karen Anderson and Ellen McLean Howe, what are they both good at? Mountain biking. What have they both got? Balance in spades. They've got skill in spades. And in their category, I think they're some of the most skilled riders in there but also think about their characters they're neither of them are really showboats they're quiet characters when you get to know them that's totally different but when they are out there you've got two riders i mean ella is, is generally relatively quiet and yet when she goes racing you wouldn't want to race against i wouldn't want to race against. would you, would you want to race against Rolly? I, I wouldn't at all. I think she'd thrash me, 100%. <laughs> it's, well, I didn't want to say that, but she's got that. She's, I've said it repeatedly. She's got. She's one of those riders who's got such a focus. And it was great to see her actually going over the line with her arms in the air, smiling at the end of that. And then you've got Corinne. And, and, yeah, and so go back to Ella. And for the new new team. Yeah. You know, she, she, yeah, Racing for Hope. It's like, yeah, they're 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 picking well, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> about, yeah, and you know, and it's people that really fit in, yeah, re- yeah, really well. They're kind of they could they could they could show off the all those hope parts to yeah, their very best, definitely, definitely. I think Corin Carrick Anderson ahead of Toby Barnes. Toby, of course, regular on the scene. Tom coming backwards and forwards depending on what he's racing on the continent, but it shows you the class of rider when you've got Tom top three, you've got and Millie Cousins top three but neither winning and that for me says so much about the quality of the top end of the field who are there in some ways i'm quite sad that we've got five different winners in the men's race because to me it doesn't say that we've got five equal winners we've got five people dependent on who's there and who's not racing on the continent maybe that's a good thing because everybody's out and racing on the continent so frequently and racing abroad so a real mix i think of riders I think what what it did though is it showed a different level of commitment, but and a different level of who is prepared to gamble and who who is prepared to push it in those conditions when it's icy. And I think it's left the standings very interesting. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Ollie, are, are you 
is it nailed on for you now? Um, I think, I think close enough. Yeah, um, I've got to have a, a proper howler in the next one to to not win. But on on the topic of the elite male and female, I think both of them have a bit of an air about them. Um, they're both quite not. It's it's hard to describe. They've got a lot of respect with them, um, and it's not from showing off like some people. Um, but I think the I'm I'm not sure. It's just it's hard to explain. They're both brilliant bike riders, but off the bike they're really kind people. I don't know either of them very well, but. Uh, the both people I'd I'd like to get to know actually, and I think that that says a lot, doesn't it? But I I, I think if you look at that, if you look at Ellen McLean, Howell, Annie Last, Billy Cousins, Colin Carrick Anderson, Toby Barnes, and Tom Main, all of them have a minimalistic social media presence. All of them are generally that sort of quiet, reserved. Loads of respect from everybody. I mean, you know absolute legends in people like Annie Last. You've got people like Toby who has ridden everything. And, and again, you wouldn't want to take any one of these on in a race. But in terms of, of letting their legs and their performances do the talking, you probably couldn't pick six more apt people for that. And I think that, that really showed on there. But that then means it's going to be really interesting when we come to the last round because we've got a really changed course when we go down to Grey Centre, a more punchy course in some ways, and and it's going to be very interesting to see what the weather is. It could be another weather-affected round that changes what happens in the overall. I mean, not for Ollie, hopefully, or for any of the riders who've who've got it at the moment, because but we'd like it to be exciting and close, and I think that changing terrain is going to do that. I'd be surprised to see the same winners next time, but you know, I've been wrong plenty of times before. It won't be the first or last time. Yeah, and Gravesend is it's always difficult as a, you know, it's always technically hard, and it's always a course that you, you know, there is no right strategy for it. Um, and this year, we know the course is going to be very, very different to what we've seen before. We, we're not previewing it this show; so you have to come back for another one to, for for all of that. But we know it's going to be really different, and who's going to go well there? Um, it's, it's, it's a big question. It's thinking of when it is in the season. Are people going to be aiming to peak? Maybe going to start a little bit fatigued even, you know, ready to, to have a recovery week ready for the national champ. So there's there's a lot going on there. So what your, what your approach is going to be. There's also a big race the day before. So there's so much dice rolling um my metaphor of the day um, go going on there. But in terms of the standings, um I think that yeah, it's possible that um, Toby Barnes doesn't win, uh, but Jensen Young is very like oh, sorry, Jensen could take both of them. Um, Toby is definitely the favourite for to take the yellow. Millie Cousins, I was looking at doing the maths on it, and Millie, I think she could mathematically take it in a completely. In, in a different dimension, in a in a fictional universe of no one else turning up and she takes all the points type of thing. Um, but over the whole podium, um, the places are still open. There's still a lot to race for. And the, the podium in the, the women elite and the under 23 are, are still 
know, they're, they're still very much up for grabs. And, and of course, in, in, in the men's com- competitions as well. And I think when we're coming into such a busy period between now, I mean, you know, Ollie's out for Mall at the moment. We go on from there to Haver, to Zolder, Degen. You know, we've got this whole cursed period coming in. And then we come out the other side and it is boom, 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 boom. I mean, it really is a packed programme. People are going to have to be careful about how much they race and how much they push themselves in the road and how much risk they take. You know, hopefully everyone who has got the, um, has got after effects from Barn Oldswick and Valdi Solo, which we'll be talking about in a moment, they are able to recover for that race period and get the rest that they need. I mean, there were hypothermia cases. People go into hospital with hypothermia. That is not something you get over particularly quickly. And it's something that puts a load on the body and on the system. You know, you've had hypothermia. Also, you are a lot more likely to pick up a cough, a cold, COVID, whatever. You know, you're not going to be able to train at full capacity. And that does affect you. And it's that risk versus reward. You know, I'm, terrible person i just you know give me a risk and a reward i'll go for the take the risk and grab the reward and probably end up stuck wrapped around a tree on the way through because that is just how you know banzai riding style are us.com however i don't have a, a career to think about i don't have a series to think about and i don't have the end of the season to worry about you know as long as i can get on the crutches and stand on the mic which has been done at at uh, Westmoreland before now, you know, um, and hobble my way up onto the stage, you know, I'm okay, but I don't have to go racing around a, a national champs race, which is coming up or a world champs race, which for a lot of the riders is, you know, and, and all it's the same. It's out there, but, you know, I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how that progresses and they move on as it go forward. I think, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Um, because obviously I'm racing over this period and it does play on your mind. You're always thinking, oh, if, if I crash here, will I recover in time for, for the next race? And it does reduce your performance 100%. It's, it's hard to, to carry on at full trot when you're in the red. And obviously if, if other people are off the front, your, your mind's whirling around and you're constantly thinking about what if I crash here what what if I do this or that instead of thinking I need to get up to that person who's maybe 10 20 seconds in front of me and then by the time you've gone around the next few corners the person behind you is catching up and it it really is a a big thing you've got everything being thrown at you including freezing rain at the moment and every possible condition plus mechanics plus pitting plus everybody else on the course plus and that is what makes riding your bike interesting because all that when you're racing across is happening so quickly it's not a mountain marathon it's instant but then we have what we saw at Val de Soleil you know, with Matthew van der Poel not featuring and you know, what seems to be afterwards is you know his excuse is it was he was just pootling around because he was didn't want to get injured and his heart rate was really low and kind of have to wonder that what's the point <laughs> if if that was the case if that was planned beforehand I I, I don't know it, it, would there be any point in in doing that or is he just coming up with excuses for not really liking it there <laughs> well, I think it's a difficult one isn't it because um 
Fardy Sole is we we said on the crosscast last time. Is it cross? Is it just there for the great pictures and the images? Is it just an amazing venue? We've all ridden and does cross continue no matter what the weather? Where is that boundary? Is that boundary Barn Oldswick? Was that an ice sheet too far? Is it when you get to Val de Soleil? Is it when, or is it, there isn't a boundary? And actually, it's down to the riders. And if Matthew van der Poel is smart enough to go, do you know what? The conditions have changed. We did our pre-ride yesterday. This was thick snow. Now, it's not. And it's been scraped clean. And it's guess what? It's melted and it's frozen again. And we are just on sheet ice over. Do you know what? I've got bigger fish to fry out there. I'm going to look at the world champs and I'm not going to take that risk. Then, you know, all power to him to be smart because I think it's often easier to carry on and to go for it than it is to say, do you know what? I'm going to play this smart. It's easier just to carry on regardless. And I think a lot of us are guilty of that. What would you do, Ollie? I think it's more of a feature race of the season. It's more to show that the people at the Olympics that it can be a winter Olympic sport. Um, but it's one race of the year on snow. It's not a it's not a cross race, is it? If every single race was on snow and ice, then it'd it'd be more like a cross race. But it's not it's not the same. I think quite a few people came came away from that race thinking, what have I just watched? Uh, it didn't. It wasn't run of the mill by any means. No, <laughs> definitely not. I, mean, I, I think for the you know the, this the question of what what constitutes an acceptable course, I think the the race organisers and we saw two examples of it last weekend. The race organisers need to plan for what the conditions are likely to be and what they might be. And uh, what we had at Barnoldswick was we had a course, and we, we were talking about it afterwards on our, on our way home. That course would be really good in any conditions. It could be fast and dry. It could be muddy. It can be icy. And it's really giving you something. And at Val de Soleil, they've designed the whole course. That's why it's so massively wide. It's 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 like downhill skiing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so if if you do go wrong, most of the time there's somewhere to slide to. Although, you know, we saw two injuries there with Fen Van Empel and Ellie Isabeet. Uh, both being taken away in a stretcher. Fortunately, um, it seems that neither of their injuries are, are too serious. Um, but yeah, they, they were they were taken away. Well, we haven't talked about the front of the of the race really. You know, it was as we expected, wasn't it? We had Matthew. Um, you know, the racing was as we expected with um, someone taking the win, an experienced rider, Matthew Ventura, and out taking the win. You know, great bike handler, um, Niels van der Putter and Kevin Kuhn. So it was mixed up in that podium with another mix-up to some extent for the women's podium with Puck Peters taking the win ahead of Salin, De Carmen Alvarado and Manon Baca uh, finishing up the podium. So, you know, we, it, it opened it up, opened up the opportunity um, for, for other riders there. I think it's really difficult, isn't it? Because I think as cycling, we have a responsibility, not just to us, but also to the wider community. If we are, crashing and putting people in hospital if we are knowingly putting and exposing people to risk and putting them in hospital and putting a demand over and above the normal on whatever health service is required 
At what point is that acceptable? At what point can you keep running a race when you've got multiple ambulances heading off from site to a A&E department? That is very difficult because you've got a minimum standard of first AK. You've got to have on site, and that could be that doesn't matter whether it is your local mountain bike race or it's your local cross race or it is an international event. So there's got to be that backup and, and that system in place. But equally, you've got racing where riders are professionals. And we see crashes on mud. We've seen two nets go for a burton on the descent of Namur and go into a post. We've seen riders at bar go into the wooden fencing. We see people crash pretty much all season long in cross. It's an acceptable part of the sport. It's kind of expected, you know. All he says, there was nobody in his race who didn't hit the floor. Well, when is that? Where is that boundary? And I think that's a very difficult thing. When do you knowingly expose people? Because we know that everyone's going to come off. Is it when you crash and the consequence is really high? And, and when it's sheet ice, then that consequence is very high, you know, collarbone, contusion. And yeah, Femvampel and, and Ellie is a bit of showing that they haven't got fractures, but we don't know what damage, you know, we've all done it. You, you wallop yourself into a post or a tree hard enough. You might not break a bone and bike riders have made a tough stuff so they break bones less, but, my goodness, you know, we've all been black and blue. We've all got the, you know, struggling to walk. We all feel like we've been beaten up by a baseball bat moment because we went into something hard. And actually, we haven't broken anything. It's just blooming painful and it takes time to come back. And where where's that bouncing point? I think Val de Solid maybe was, well, right on the boundary. And uh, having looked at the conditions, looked at the snow that had been scraped off the race route, I find that very difficult. They're, clearly, there must have been a reason for doing that, but I've, I struggle to see that at the moment. But I think in terms of course design and, and where they're held, you could go go to Val de Soli for me or further up the mountain. And I think if it's the same for everyone, then I don't think there should be a limit. I think you should go as crazy as possible. I wonder if you'd think the same if you had an accident and couldn't then ride your bike for a year? I think I would because I'm I'm usually the person to put the blame on myself. And I think if other people are crashing, if you crash, it's your fault. I, I accept that my crash at Barn Oldswick was definitely my fault. Um, and the consequences come with that. And you've got to, that's part of bike racing, isn't it? You've got to judge the, the speed around the corners so that you don't come off and and obviously have have a good race don't go too slow but that it's a balancing act of going fast enough to be competitive and slow enough it's, not to slip off but it's about risk and 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 the consequences of it so yeah what we want is is it's if you like take a, a a theme park take a fairground ride at a theme park what you want at a fairground ride at a theme park is something that is really safe but it feels like it's not you know your body says this is terrifying and and then you get all of that fun at the end of oh it was all okay in the end you know and that's sort of the sweet spot but what you don't want is the opposite where you feel completely safe and actually the consequences of something that is very very trivial is incredibly serious which is kind of the uh, the other extreme so but the, I, I think there has to be a limit somewhere you know if you take 
you know, if you take, for example, some of those, you know, some of the videos that come up on your social medias of you know, people riding those ridge lines and that sort of thing, you know, I, I really wouldn't want that in a cross race. Thanks very much. You know, where it's sort of, <laughs> when one wheel slip and it's a 3,000 yeah. meters drop down to your stride. So, so here's, here's, so let's, let's, I think we all probably agree that, you know, crashing is part of cross that is part of the deal you come off that cross that is part of what happens you will generally slide down if you don't you know i am an absolute believer that if you don't crash you're not trying hard enough um whether that's in the mountain bike or the cross bike because you don't know where the limit is however that consequence shouldn't be that and it certainly shouldn't have been done you should be crashing because of the actions of others and as a course designer whenever i design courses i've always looked at what happens if it goes wrong? If I take this action, which is to expose this tree root that's on a camber, the consequence is that somebody is going to slide out on that and slide down the hillside. Now, if they're going to slide into a bit of bracket and they're going to pick themselves up, they're going to go, should have jumped that, then fair enough. If they're going to slide down and smack straight into a boulder, and the odds are that once they've hit that boulder and broken their bike, they're then going to fall off the edge of a cliff um, because I've exposed that tree root. That's my fault. And because you, you're reaching the limit of that and consequence, I think for me that the balancing point is if that course is made worse because of the actions of the organiser, then that is a very difficult, different thing to taking that risk as a rider. Bearing in mind that if you are being paid to be there, and to ride, and there's an expectation to ride, you've got to ride. And maybe that's why Matthew Van Der Poel went and rode rather than necessarily raced. And that could be, you know, he said he's going, he's under contract to go, he's expected to be there. He was there. Never and said I, he was going to race until he kept, wiped himself out. Yeah, I think one of the, you know, we... we we are we're not we're not fans of the spiral of doom, are we? <laughs> you know, um, and that's actually one of the reasons is you know, when you have these these completely useless spiral things. Please don't put them in your courses. Actually, one of the reasons why, quite apart from the fact that they're horrible to ride, and if you're lapping people, it's a it's, it becomes dangerous. But if anything does go wrong, now if someone does slip out in the middle of that, then they're going to slip into people coming the other way and there's no way to get there to fix it you know so there it looks really it looks fun and safe and it might look nice from the air but um the consequences of something going wrong there it becomes really hard and you know if, if what happens if someone is there with a broken collarbone you know it's quite plausible because that could happen anywhere on a course how are you going to get them off you know and it's all those types of those types of questions which is you know one of the reasons why we take every opportunity we possibly can to try to avoid them because we don't like them <laughs> but, but yeah 2000 you know, come on it's, it's, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but i mean do you know yeah. what but, but, the point of yeah. this kind of it's almost a side point because let's get to the racing did you enjoy watching the racing yes or no one word answer no Neil, though that bit of it, I yes was awake or no. for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason I've watched the men's race five times, and it's not because I managed to make it to the end of any one of those five times without falling asleep. Maybe we're getting on, Neil. Ollie didn't have to admit this. He's got an excuse. He's racing. No, do you know what? I love an action-packed race, 
And I love a race where there's overtaking, where there's jeopardy, where people are having a go. And you saw that in minute parts. I mean, at the end of the women's race where you've got Man and Backer there, you've got Persico battling it out, and they're coming up, and then you're seeing um, um, uh, Shek come up as well. Just thinking, this, this, why could it not have been like this the whole race? Because, to be honest, it wasn't. And where the changes were, that race could be summed up by the comedy moment of Persico doing almost a full 180 as she tried to overtake Backer. And that corner decided those positions, that podium position, it took her from third to fifth. And that is, was that because she was going too quick? Maybe it was, but it didn't make for fun racing. I mean, it was just a lovely camera shots weren't even there because it was foggy. <laughs> so I mean, we kind of, I don't even know that there was a cable cam because I've probably slept through that. I, I have to say the men's and women's races, dull, 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 dull. And I'm tell you something, I'm glad that my stint on the World Cup commentary didn't start Vardy Soli because that would have been a tough gig. That's for yeah. sure. When you compare Valde Sole with the previous World Cup, I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would rather go back and watch a previous World Cup rather than go back and fill in um, any of those bits that I might have missed. I'll tell you something. <laughs> um, I, the I, other one. I bet all the riders would rather have raced at Dublin than have raced at uh, Val de Sully as well. Unless it was well, and look at those. And the other thing to do is if, look at those riders who rode it last year and chose to go on a training camp this year. Oh, so a lot of them. And how many people are on training camps? I mean, if you're out in Calpe, you're in the wrong place, Ollie, in Mullen, you know, in the boring rain. You want to be in Calpe this past week. Oh, my goodness. I tell you, it's been like a who's who going to the colder rats. Uh, everybody has been out there riding. It's just been absolutely nuts. And uh, I think that point now is really telling. Let's pick a point in the season to put a mid-season training camp in. Where should we do it? Mm, oh, yeah, I know. Let's do it when Valdesoli's got a justifiable reason not to go to that World Cup and not upset the organisers. Maybe that's the case, and maybe we just all need tinfoil hats. I don't know. We'll see. I'll tell you what, Ali, would you rather race at Valdesoli or would you rather race in Dublin? Dublin, every day. Good luck. Honestly, <laughs> it was a brilliant atmosphere at Dublin. I mean, we we walked around the course and it was it was like, oh, this is a bit a bit tame. But as soon as the crowds got there, it was brilliant and obviously it was frozen over for my race so it was it was fast um and a, a few good battles with teammates seven and liam o'brien the irish national champ um and oh yeah brilliant race best one of the season so far i think yeah that that says it all doesn't it so uh, valdi Sully next year uh, if you were asked yeah i'm sure you'd be there in a shot ollie but you know it's uh let, let's see what happens next year. But there's been a lot, a lot of other things happening around the outside with training camps in Spain. Uh, I saw a really interesting bit of footage of the Triple uh, Seven team out race, out riding and doing a lot of motorbike training um, on the back of the behind the motorbike. And maybe that's an indication that the, the back end of the season is going to be like everywhere because everybody's going to be absolutely nailing it. I think there's going to be some serious ramping up for this back end of the season. Um, you know, coming into curse period, going into nationals and worlds, I think there's a lot of people with a lot to prove still. Mm. Well, we've got a couple of riders with who are running out of opportunity. I think Tom Mewson, since the last show, has retired. And my understanding with Tom is that that's it. He's calling it a day as of now. Um, so 
uh, yeah, I mean, uh, what an inspiring, inspiring rider. He's, he's kind of been there um, for a long time, really. And he, yeah, he's he still seems to be enjoying his racing, but hasn't got the legs that he once did. And the other rider who's probably been around for longer than Muson is Steve Chanel. Um, he's going to be retiring at the end of this season. Um, been less prominent in the last couple of years, but certainly if you go back a few, um, he was up there, um, never got a, a win at World Cup, but was certainly a regular. Now, he was one of those inter, no, non, international riders, say non-Belgian riders, when that was really rare um, to, to be pushing his way into the top 10. So, yeah, there's a lot of other good French French riders yeah. out and about. I, I, I mean, Tom Eusen, we're going to miss the bunny hop competition. Let's face it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we started talking earlier about power and size and shape of rider. I mean, Musa's classic, isn't he? He's pretty compact. It's like, boom! But that explosive power to be able to bunny hop like he could, just brilliant to see. At a time when very few people were, were bunny hopping in, he's, you know, what is it, 33 and a half, three, oh, 36 inches, so what's that, a metre in the sum, comfortably able to bunny hop well over a metre. You know, that's just like scary. And on a cross bike, not on a mountain bike, on a cross bike, that is just absolute class on wheels. Um, and Steve Chanel, I was hoping he was going to keep riding longer so I had a chance to take all the cyclocross uh, KOMs out around where I am because if he comes and visits his brother-in-law, which is two doors down from me, uh, where I am at the moment, every single off-road KOM is going to be out of bounds, isn't it? Because, come on, if he comes down and rides all the Shimano and all the trails and tracks around here, I haven't got a hope in hell of getting any of them before he gets down here. I was hoping he's going to get at least one more season before he could actually, uh, before he decided to retire and come and visit family. Um, but we'll, we'll we'll see. I might have to bring Ollie out. Maybe maybe that could be Ollie's second <laughs> part-time career. He's coming out and just saving us from uh, uh, like a whole load of uh, Steve Chanel uh, KOMs around here. Strap your computer to my bike. Then. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm down for that. Yeah. Where are we going to go? Oh, yeah, just yeah, just go up there, Ollie. Just just don't stop till you get to the top. In fact, Neil's been out riding around here, and Finn and uh, Lotter as well. And we actually went out. We saw um, there is a, a a hill around here called Bumpyberg, um, which oh, yeah. is alongside Bolyberg, which is not far, oddly enough, named by us. <laughs> Um, and uh, they're all off-road uh, KOMs up seriously steep, and the pair of them have still got plenty out here. So there's some there's some riders you know. It's not just some obscure old French pro, Ollie. You'll be all right. Don't oh, worry. Uh, there is riders <laughs> who you might know to beat out there. Um, there's been all sorts of weird and wonderful stuff happening yeah. as well, aren't there, Neil? Yeah. The, other, the other thing, which is it, it, the um, the regs haven't been published yet, but there's been quite a, a bit of a buzz at the moment about pockets, um, number number pockets um, on your skin suits. It looks like there's going to be a reg coming in that's going to be uh, where they're, they're not going to be allowed um, in certain types of under the road racing regs, which Cyclocross does come under. Um, and so I can kind of understand it, actually, because there are some pockets out there which um, will obscure bits of the number and, it's, and probably will obscure the sponsors. And it potentially could be in the wrong place as well. So I can kind of understand it, but yeah, I, I, perhaps it's somewhere between sock height and other forms of rules that, oh, that, that come in. As, as a commentator, there are plenty. Well, as a speaker on site, more than the TV commentator, because TV you have the advantage of watching the whole front of the race and nothing else. But as a speaker on site, for those times when the chips fail or a rider doesn't put on a timing chip, which is basically every race, somebody's bound to forget one. You have one lap, maybe two, if it's dry, 
to spot that number on the back. If you lose that opportunity as well, because it's stuck in a, it's been folded up, it's been stuck inside a pocket, then no. Give us proper proper numbers on the way. You've got a chance to actually be able to see that. Because for the first couple of laps, you're desperately trying to work out who hasn't got a timing chip on and who you need to keep an eye on, what body shape, size. Because you know that number's not going to last in the mud because it's going to get covered. But there are some dry races. I mean, they did exist start of this and pretty much every other season. But yeah, I'd, whether it's as important as making sure that riders are safe, I'm not so sure. But, you know. We'll make uh, Nico and uh, everyone who's a regular speaker on site their, their job easier. But I think it's something which is just to be aware of, really. You know, if you're thinking of your new kit um, and make sure you chat and you understand what's going to be coming through. Um, you know, I think UK, you'll be fine if you're planning on racing World Cups. Make sure you understand what the rules are beforehand. <laughs> anyway, and at that, I think we will enter the Lasta Ronda. Coming into the cursed period, my favourite time of the year, um, not because of Christmas, but because of the racing. I love this. Uh, these The series of races that's coming up, there's loads of them in a really short space of time. And for elite riders, it's picking the ones you're going to go to. Um, Ollie, we know that you're out there for Mole, which is on the 23rd, is it, or 24th? Um, it's tomorrow, actually, 23rd. yeah. 23rd. Dad's birthday as well tomorrow, so it's it's all going off. Oh, happy, um, happy birthday, Andy! If you listen, get to listen to this before, which won't happen, but belated happy birthday, Andy! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what other ones are you doing, Ollie? Um, I'll I'll be doing mall tomorrow. Obviously, I've I've done my practice laps, got caked in sand, um, and then we're doing Deegan, which has been a bucket list race for me for quite a while, um, and then to Sven Nice at Baal. Um, and so I'll only be doing them three. Uh, do they I, all have specific junior categories? They do, yeah, yeah. All UCI races, of course. Um, and I, I had the opportunity to do a hell of a lot more. Like, I think I had six races I could have done in seven in seven days. Um, but it, it would have been too much. So I, I, I spoke to a few of my mentors, should we say? Yeah. Um, and. I was advised not to overdo it and just to get the experience in before, obviously, national champs and, and world champs. I think it's it's one of the things, I mean, a lot of people focus on what they need to do hard and what they need, when they need to go hard and don't pay enough attention to the other side of the coin, which is actually when you stress your body you've got to let it recover you've got to give it chance to build otherwise it's you're not going to improve and that's uh, that's why we see so many training camps isn't it in at this time of year because riders don't improve just by racing non-stop you've got to take some time and you take those gaps and particularly you know uh fortunately for ollie's you know substantially younger than neil and i was going to say a little bit younger but actually substantially younger than neil and it's still that point where you, you can build you're still building blocks you, you know you're still able to develop and, and make the most of this time so yeah i think that's a smart move ollie um malt grip gritty sandy usual horrible uh super quick super fast lots of sand um of the rest um we've got quite a lot of racing that in front of us, and uh, I will let we'll jump into you, Ollie, with 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 the uh, ones you're riding. But I'm sure you'll be watching as well because uh, uh, the first of uh, the World Cups is in. I think in the uh, curse period kicks uh, kicks off after ball. 
yeah, Boxing Day, we've got Hervera. It's it's just kind of one of those classic Belgian courses, but you know, I don't think it's been a World Cup before. Um, I don't remember it being a World Cup before, uh, but it's uh, it's where Pidcock got... It, it, this is amazing, actually, because it wasn't that long ago. Pidcock got his first big win in Belgium. It was his first elite win in Belgium was um, at Hevra. Um, so if you remember that, it's the one where he you know, goes around by... It suits a rider like Pidcock. <laughs> um, so that time trialist. Um, and it kind of goes around by a lake. Um, and then it's got this strange, really long out and back for the finish. So you can put in a massive attack. You know, it's kind of a minute before the end. You go around, which is kind of on, on the dirt. Um, normally it's fairly solid there. Then you go around a 180 and then you come back on the road for the finish. Um Van der Haar attacked about third way through last year and finished winning it by a minute. You know, so it's that's that type of course. I tell you, Lars is is on good form. A rider who I wouldn't put out from uh, winning that again. It wouldn't surprise me. But looking at who he's going to be racing, um, a lot of the riders that are competing in the World Cup are racing. Uh, they're going to be uh, racing at Mall. And that, I think, is really interesting that you've got this mix. The riders are starting to to look at this and, and, and really build into this period. Um, a very, it's, it's a classic Belgian race. It wouldn't be anything. If you went and rode around it on your bike, you'd think, yeah. A bit like Ollie and his course walk at Dublin would be like, yeah, okay. But then you go race it and that atmosphere that I think it just is absolutely mad. The thing I like about that course, actually, is that particularly for the first few laps, you kind of get a lot of scrapping. So they kind of have a bit of a fight for 30 seconds and then they kind of all ease up again and look again. And then once they've relaxed a bit, they, they go around a corner and they, it's kind of, yeah, let's have another little scrap. Yeah, you know, And they kind of keep wrestling and, and fighting. Fighting yeah. and that bumping and that, that, that repositioning is pickock all over and you can see why he took that win because it is just that scrappy fight and then once you've made it through to the selection yeah that's how I went off last time and I have to say um, Ollie's probably pretty much in the same I could imagine Ollie having a real fun time out there because it's really is racing it's shoulder to shoulder it's bumping and, and, budget, and jumping in the gaps and looking to find a little gap somewhere different that would be the sort of race you could imagine being there that's uh, for sure Um just maybe just wait a little while until, you know, till, till, till Walt, Matthew, and Tom and everybody are just on a bad day uh, at the moment because they've probably just got a little bit of an edge on you at the moment, Ollie. I hate to, uh, I hate to break it to yeah. you, mate. Not too much. <laughs> and then we move to uh, motor racing circuit at Zolder, um, another one of the, the classic courses for this time of year. Really punchy, as you'd expect, lots of road sections, loads of really fast bits. Um, Loads of bits that are actually really scary. They're much more scary than they look on the TV. You know, some of the descents that come like down through the trees, through the woods. You know, it's, it's not the bits that do look scary. The bits that come like down through the woods. They're really steep, actually. Um, and then you kind of so you and then you kind of come down and come down some of the sandy drop-ins. Um, and you know, Zolda is a place where you have those airbags on some of the bits of the course for good reason. Um, yeah, always. Well, always a good race. There's always an interesting race. It's it's not always uh, 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 exciting, but it's always really interesting there. Um, last year, there was that exhibition that Pidcock put on where he just sat on the back of Eastbeat for the last, <laughs> for the end of the race when Van Aert went off the front. Um, 
And in fact, this was the race last year where we had the big three who were racing in the same race. That was our quiz that we had uh, the other week, uh, last time. From yeah, That was Zolder. Uh, that was last year at Zolder. Um, and yeah, and Pidcock just sat behind Easterby and it was kind of just like, inter- it, it, it was like, you, you know, like someone really in your face. Like it's kind of just like, I'm pushing himself right up close to him for the last couple of minutes. And then, Actually, the sprint was closer than I thought it was going to be after seeing his behaviour beforehand. But yeah, Pidcock uh, managed to take second. But was that, there that, with but that was a Van classic way up the front. That's a classic, isn't it? You, I mean, uh, Pidcock and Isabel have got history going back like like before time, pretty much. You know, and I think for me that battle between them when they're there, I, I almost feel a little bit sorry for Isabel because he's kind of been eclipsed by the Pidcock, Wout Van Aert, etc. And yet Pidcock actually, although he's in that big three, you know. That, the battles that he had, you know, you only need to go listen back to some of the previous series of the the, the crosscast, which you can still get. Then we talk about Pickard is a bit as one of the battles out there, and it's kind of like that. That's changed a little bit, and I can't imagine that by Zolder, given the state of his a bit, he's going to be totally covered by then. Okay, you know, Zolder comes up; it's on the twenty seventh, so you know, it's a bit close; it's a little bit nearer, but. I'm not sure whether he'll be back on form to to be in that battle. I think it's a good circuit. I mean, of the two to ride, I'd always want to ride at Zolder. I think it's more interesting course. I think it's got more technicality to it. I think um, to take a win out of Zolder, anybody who's competitive will know anyone who's into sport, Zolder is a legendary name. So, yeah, come on. It's got to be on the bucket list. Ollie, have you you raced there yet? I haven't. Not yet. Is it on the bucket Um, list? It it kind of is. I've, <laughs> I've been restricted to only three races, unfortunately. This time so round, but, but bucket list for the future, though. For the future, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I but think- Deegan... Deegan, De- oh, yeah. wow, man, oh, you made a good choice. De- Deegan is just bonkers. I mean, I, I've, I was I was actually there the last time Deegan ran, which was pre-pandemic. You know, it was a long time ago now. Oh, man, Deegan, the most crazy race. It's at night, floodlit. You know, find yourself some suburban, air, suburban area of your choice of city, you know, somewhere where there's a couple of parks, a couple of wrecks, you know, the, the recreation ground, which are within... 200 yards of each other and then you just put a cyclocross course not just on one of them but on both of them at the same time and then you ride between them as well it's just absolutely crazy race um and it's at different heights and you get a bit of everything you've got a it can it can be unbelievably muddy in certain bits and then you run up some stairs and then you're on the road and then you're going over flyovers so yeah a lot a lot to see at, at Deegan. Um, and it's also well worth, yeah, if you're doing your preview of Deegan before the race, tr- there's quite a few uh, people who've got um, on, on, ca- on bike cameras uh, from Deegan. And yeah. <laughs> those are the bits you can't see from um, from where the official cameras are. And it's just like up the alley, around the back, and through someone's back garden. It's, it's like the, what's it, uh, Valparaiso, isn't it? Um, yeah. In, um, in, the downhill, yeah, the downhill. Yeah, the downhill. Uh, it's a bit like that. <laughs> Do you know what I think is always entertaining? And Ollie, Ollie, you're going to love this bit. Imagine because um, a city we both know. So, so, so think Sheffield. Think, think, take it, take into somewhere like Sheffield, and then pick an estate. But essentially, there are little bits that you just don't see, and the 
camera work, the directors must have like no. Um, if you're working on a building site, Ukraine has an area that it, or an event site where, you, where it doesn't go, so they don't overlap and clustering into each other. I'm sure the cameraman must have a point where they're not allowed to go past swinging the camera around because they're going to feature the boarded up house or the murder mystery house where somebody got murdered or the, <laughs> the building site that looks like, or don't go any further around this way because the mayor lives there and he doesn't want to be shown on camera in his dressing gown. Or yeah, it is properly mad direction, which matches the racing, but it also always produces great racing. And that's the, the crazy thing. It's a bit like picking the best bits of cross and dropping them all into one race because it's a bit of everything and it just works. It's crazy. It just works. There are two of the races, actually, the Degum and Baal. The, they do have a common – there is one common theme for them, and which is the, the pits are uh, – you need to be aware before you get there. Degum, it's not a double-sided pit. There are two pits on the course, but they're like – one and a half kilometers away from each other. So if you want someone in the pits, actually they're only going to come, you're only going to go past them half as many times as normal. So you don't get to see the riders so often. Um, And so if you've got a massive crew and an unlimited supply of bikes, then you need people in both pits, but it's not easy to get between the two of them. So um, if you had to pick, so if it's wet, Neil, which pit would you go for? Oh, the bottom one. No question. The one which is by, um, at, well, well, it's the bottom of the circuit, um, and it's where the course goes around a football pitch. I think it kind of comes around on the. There's a cambered section. The com- it's a comedy camber um, on the first lap, where you know it's kind of the first riders ride it, and then as soon as the first person slips off, it's like all ru- all gloves are off. <laughs> you know, gloves are off. It's like all rules out the window and it's just kind yeah. of comedy trying to get through. Um, and, and it's just after that. But yeah, that's the one to, to go for, the one at the bottom. And is that the same when it's dry? Um, I think so. Yeah. Partly because try your best. It's not easy to get to the one at the top. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so always uh, entertained you listening to a, a pick review rather than the uh, the riders view, definitely. But it's I for me what what amazes me is how many top class riders go because it always seems to attract everyone. You know, we talk to Ollie; it's on his bucket list. You talk to any of the the world's best; they want to be there. And it's amazing to see the names that have gone on there on that Palmares. Oh, Matt, you're, you're leading me beautifully here. So Neil's Fiendish Quiz of the Week. No, we have related to that. No, please, no. It's related to that. Oh, okay, no. this is the, um, it, it, in the men's competition, right, for Degum. And, and this one, you won't know it. If you do know it, then I'll... You'll know we've I'll, been Googling I'll, it. I'll, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you won't know it. But what's really interesting with this is, go back and how far you have to go to find someone who wasn't or hasn't been world champion, elite world champion. So a winner who's okay. won it and then become world champion or just that, a winner who is allowed. also a world. Yeah. So basically, yeah. So, so if people, people this, who are on, people who are on the list of, of elite men's world champions, how many years back until you find someone who isn't or wasn't. And it just shows you the pedigree of the people people that race so so if we go back far enough it will go back in the dim and distant history um roger de vlamic um won it and he was never actually cyclocross world champion or something along those lines 
Or exactly. Similar. Yeah. yeah. If you go back far enough, I, I, I'm pinning. I, mean, I was hoping I was going like way too far back then, but maybe I'm not by the sounds of it. I don't think Deegan's been running that long, to be honest. Though. Um, I th- well, the, the elite women's is, there's about ten. I think it's ten years ish, and the men's is thirty or something. It's yeah, going to so be a long way. So, so how far back do you need to go? Uh, answers on a postcard, please. Stroke on social media. Stroke on buymeacoffee.com. But yeah, but uh, you know the fun on that is actually you know go back and have a look. It's 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 interesting, and we'll we'll talk about it next time. Yeah. <laughs> we will, and we'll probably have a race so, report from Ollie going. It was as mental as you said. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> see, we will see. Cool. And then the next um, super prestige is coming from Baal, um, which Ollie, your your racing New Year's Day is normal place, a Svenny Cycling Centre. What are you expecting? Um, I'm I'm not sure. I, I was meant to do it last year, um, but we'll we'll see how it goes. It it can be a strange event, can't it? Have you raced there before, Ollie? No, not, so never, you've never been. Never. I'm guessing you've watched it on TV plenty of times. Yes, yeah, quite a few times. Yeah, I'm going to try and ride the steps, but I think they'll be boarded up, so probably not. Oh, that's that's going to be entertaining to see if uh, if you get the chance. Because, of course, in practice, you know, you do what everybody else does and move the tape out of the way and just ride it in practice and put it back in for the race. Just work on the fact you're not going to be doing it. But you can't go and not try it. Yeah, absolutely. I don't um, think it would be possible for you to do that, to be honest. <laughs> 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 no, no. Um, and obviously whipping the, the, the dirt jumps as well, obviously. Excellent. Um, but, yeah, it's... This trip for me, it's it's kind of obviously it's a family holiday, um, but it's going to be really enjoyable. I'm I'm sure of it, and I think like you always say, Matt, when a happy rider is a fast rider, um, and I'm I'm feeling quite confident. I, for this trip. I I have to say, if you're picking races, um, I would I, I would have said. Not sure to pick Mole out for you, but you know that's that's you know that's only because I'm not necessarily a fan of of Mole, but um, definitely Deegan and definitely Baal, uh, because Baal it's it's all too often it's skilled up let's ride us down there, and the ability to smile whilst things are hard, and that is a race that's hard it, for me. The, the I mean, there's lots of really good, great camera shots on there where you're on the downhills. But quite often for me, it's actually, you go down with the technical turns, you go round the turn, you come up and you go, and there's an alternate line between the trees on the way up the climb. And that climb actually for me is a more critical part of that course. But anybody who's been on the back foot on the way down or has had a mare of a descent is not then able to pick it up on that climb. So you've got to be able to do both. And that for me is what it gives that balance feel. Neil, however, He's not a fan of Baal. I would, I would probably give a kidney if I had a working one left, pretty much that hadn't been abused over the years to go there and ride and race it, or go back in time quite happily. But you know, it's definitely if I had a bucket list, that would be probably high on that list. Neil, any wishes I don't to ride like there? Baal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't like Baal, um, but I totally agree with you, Matt. If I was choosing. Three races for Ollie to do. I would definitely would have put Baal and Deegan on him. So um, I think you've chosen well because <laughs> I think you all love it. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, a lot of people do love Baal. I mean, there are some things in it um, 
me, I was designing a, our cyclocross course T-shirt, which we we never got put into production actually this year because we had to. We had a, you know, there's only so many you can do, but keep a lookout. It will come eventually. So I had to oh, the excuse to go into Baal in huge detail, um, and there's a lot to it, but it's 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 really hard as a course, and there's the bits that aren't technically difficult are physically. So the bits that you think on the TV where they're just riding slowly, actually, that's because it's like going up a, it's, it's like a hill climb <laughs> coming back up on the tarmac. Um, and so there's a lot of pacing that has to be done there. I mean, the, the bit that really gets me is how the the it's the, the posts at the side are totally unforgiving because they're like concreted into the ground and and you know, this is something to be aware of if if you haven't picked it up already, Ollie, but as a first time racer, there one side of the pits is reverse. But not yeah. the other side. Okay, so yeah, and it's like which course designer would do that? Oh, it was Sven Nice. Um, <laughs> the only one who could get away with it, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, yeah, but it, it's it can be a real spectacle. I've been there uh, several times. I, th- I think the the bit I, I don't like seeing, you know, is when you is down that whoop section, uh, the bit where you can get the big air, the the Tom Buesen. Uh, where you get the Tom Mewson air um, or Pidcock. Yeah, if your name is Tom, you do big airs down there. Um, but What's, you know, your down there. What's your middle name, Ollie? Tom, by the sound, sounds of it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so but yeah, for those bits down there, in between the, what you can't see on the TV coverage is in between them, it could get really sloppy and muddy and rutted. So you're kind of going down at this huge speed and then you can't see the landing. And then you've got to somehow find the rut in between each of those um so and you can't see that on the tv so yeah and th- th- there are some incidents there um year on year however you know it's it's a classic isn't it it's um it's a it's a course you have to watch if you can race it go and race it yeah i'm not jealous honest so i might be stood in front of the green screen but you probably can't see me because actually you can't see my face because how green i am with envy of ollie actually going out and racing it at the moment i match the green screen behind me to be honest uh, uh in envy at the moment i tell you that would uh, definitely on my uh my my bucket list of ones to do I'm going to be out there as well. I'm out there for Degum and Lowenhout. That's the plan um, at the moment. Um, so looking forward to to those two. Lowenhout, um, it's it's down to an exact cross, I think, this year. So it's not in any of the series where which carry points from race to race. Um, but of course, Lowenhout has got the iconic oopsie whoopsies. You know that you know, they call it what they call it. Um, not, I wasn't called a shuffleboard. It's not a shuffleboard, isn't it? Um, but yeah. Washboard section, washboard, but you know, it's the youngest. Yeah, you should not what washboard is that's really tough. Yeah, you shouldn't call it washboard. They're oopsie whoopsies. That's what that's what it is. But yeah, low and how is a is another way. It's a yeah, in some ways it's a bit like hair It's kind of the crowd is amazing there, uh, and yeah, it's got massive, massive flavors and, and, and stuff there. But um, so I'll be there for those two. Ollie, for you, I mean, after after ball. Now, after we come out of this period, what are you looking for for the rest of the season? Well, obviously, I, I get back on the midnight of New Year's Day, um, and then it's it's straight into a, a double weekend of Clanfield, and then down to ra- the last round of the National Trophy, um, and then really, there's there's not much else apart from National Champs and 
and world champs. There's obviously I've got a few races to keep the legs warm and and spinning during the cold winter, but apart from that, it's it's full focus on the big big races. Yeah, then we're going to hit um, the end of the season. I mean, you know, after the worlds, what yeah. is there? The, the world ends, doesn't it? Come February, world ends. Yeah, pretty much going to the to the summer. Bet no one's looking forward to that after the winter <laughs> yesterday. Everybody moans, oh, we want muddy cross, we want real cross conditions, oh, we want snow, we want ice, we want... Do you know what? We're all going, oh, isn't it great when it's sunny and it's dry and it's fast? And... No. <laughs> <laughs> it's always... Welcome to the world of cross, definitely. Yeah. So uh, you're, at the moment, you're second year junior at the moment, aren't you? Yep. Yeah, second year so... junior. Obviously going into the road season is second year as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then... We'll see what the the future holds after that. Yeah. So, have you got any preferences? Where where would you want to be? Do you want to be a Tour de France winner, or do you want to be a world champ on the cross bike? World champ on the cross bike, hundred um, percent. Obviously, I love the team I'm with now, and everything's perfect with them. Really. Um, obviously, like like you were saying a, a few episodes ago, Matt, um, it's really been fine tuned now. I think at, at the start there were quite a few, not rivalries, but conflicting personalities. I think as we've grown as a team, we've kind of bonded more. And the training camp in Tenerife recently, it was it was brilliant, great time. And I think I, I speak for for everyone that it was all really enjoyable. We all got a a good endurance block out there, and and went straight into Dublin when we got back. And I think that that really showed with the result of Dublin, and and I mean we we talk about and you can go back and hear what we were talking about uh, on by downloading the past episodes of the Crosscast. They're all still available right the way back to um, season one, episode one, I think, still uh, around. But what we were saying was basically that the team has fine tuned, and it takes two to three years for a team to reach the point where actually you've got all that interlocking. You've all got to work together. You might not have ever. You might have just raced and been rivals. You might have been on different jet wash crews in the pits with the person you're then working in the as a mechanic with. It's right the way through the team. So when it does start to gel, then things really, really start to ramp up. And I think that's you know we said that then, and I think you know the kind of the proof of the pudding is in the eating, uh, even the Christmas pudding. So uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely, it's uh, definitely been the case. What I'm loving. So for what those people who are at home who can't see the cameras, yeah. uh, behind Neil, there's been a steady stream of riders coming in. Uh, all people. So we've got we've had Finn come back in on his bike kit. We then had lots come past on the bike kit. Caroline's come past as well, and Neil has managed to keep his cool all the way through all of this. Whereas Ollie and I, we've just it's all nice and quiet around us. We've kind of like made life a little bit easier for ourselves. Wow. But it's yeah. proper cycling. Apart from the rain on the top of the camper van. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the rain on the top of your camper. Fortunately, it's blown up to you in Belgium from me in France because it's a bit quieter here <laughs> at the moment. But, um, Ollie, really looking forward to watching the results and uh, watching what racing we can. Uh, one of the advantages of working with the UCI, I often quite often get a little bit of an insight into the uh, fees before it goes public, which does make my life a little bit easier. Um, and uh, that extends to some of the other races. So you never know. We'll be keeping an eye on the uh, on the back door of uh, Sporza <laughs> and then the back gates to see what we can get on the cameras. Um, but I'm really looking forward to and enjoy 
and I'm not jealous of much of Bull. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ollie, where's the best place for people to find out more you know, about your, the team and, and find out what you're up to? Well, for me personally, there's Facebook and Instagram, um, CX underscore Ollie. Um, and then obviously the team, Garden Shed UK, Ribble Verge Sport, um, which is cyclocross racing on Instagram. Um, and it's it's the bright green kit. Can't miss it. Fantastic. And Matt, what about you? What are you up to next? And where can we find you? <sighs> Lots of, as we said at the start of the show, digital uh, world for me until we get into January. So going to be streaming the Donny Chain Gang on a Tuesday and a Thursday. The Wow DCG, the Women's Only Wednesday. Donny Chain Gang on, guess when? It's a Wednesday. We've got the My Wish Sunday Race Club giving away, I think it's $314,000 worth of prizes this final. That's coming up this Sunday uh, to the riders on eSports there. And, oh, yeah, I'm going to be trying to rebuild a barn and a wreck in France until we, we do come back with the help of uh, Tim will be out on the digger and Freyru's coming out to eat cake by the sounds of it. So, uh, yeah, um, you can actually also catch me on social media. It's Matt Fix Pain on uh, Instagram, on Facebook, and, of course, at Full Speed Events uh, on pretty much all the social media as well. Neil, what about you? You can find me online um I'll be on Zwift in an hour on the Donny Chain Gang at Crosscast Neil. <laughs> you can and you can find the show on Facebook and on Instagram, um, and you can also find us on Buy Me a Coffee, so where you're able to make a little contribution to help keep the show on the road. We turn your virtual coffees into paying for our hosting fees, which we have to pay twelve months of the year. It's great. It's 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 lovely to. Um, keep in touch with you and to hear from some of you guys who are able to support us in that way so that's, that's absolutely fantastic so thanks everyone who's been able to contribute to that um, and it's been nice to see some of you at the gritty stall um, at all of the national trophies we've been at this year so with that I think it's the end of the show um, thanks Ollie for joining us today and until next time have a great Christmas everyone have a great cursed period more importantly of course and until then we'll see you on the other side of the tape bye bye